Hey, brave one. Welcome to another episode of the Women Aware and Prepared podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Pratt, a trained domestic violence victim advocate who teaches women and vulnerable populations how to be street smart. You'll hear some true crime stories, but most importantly, how we might prevent crimes happening to us. Return each week to learn safety tips and emotional self-defense so we live empowered with peace. Let's be less naive and leave helplessness and worry behind so we can be safer, savvy, aware, and prepared. Hey, welcome back to the Women Aware and Prepared podcast. At the time of this recording, it is February, and February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. We had done at least one episode on this before, but today let's share some real-life examples from teens to see what this really looks like. And we are talking about teen dating violence today, but a lot of what I'm talking about can be applied to any age dating violence. So I hope that everybody will listen to this closely. So first I'm going to share some myths about teen dating violence, and I'm going to talk about some statistics, and then we're going to share the real life examples towards the end of this episode. I'm going to list seven different myths. The first myth is that domestic violence doesn't happen to teenagers, but the truth is Violence and unhealthy behavior is extremely common in teenage relationships. In fact, one in three adolescent girls in the United States is a victim of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. The second myth is that victims of dating violence, quote, ask for it. The truth is Dating violence is never the victim's fault. Victims do not provoke dating violence by making their partner jealous, acting mean, or teasing their partner into believing that they want to go further than they really do. Perpetrators of dating violence are always responsible for their actions, regardless of the victim's behavior. Myth number three, jealousy and possessiveness are signs of true love. Truth? No way. (laughs) Jealous and possessive behaviors are a sign that your partner sees you as a possession. These are the most common early warning signs of abuse. Let me repeat that. These are the most common early warning signs of abuse. Myth number four. Middle school youth are too young to learn about dating violence because they're not dating yet. But the truth says, in a national online survey, one in five tweens ages 11 to 14 say their friends are victims of dating violence and nearly half who are in relationships know friends who are verbally abused. Two in five of the youngest tweens ages 11 and 12 report that their friends are victims of verbal abuse in relationships. Let me pause here to say that verbal abuse does just as much harm as physical abuse. Okay, myth number five says abusers are simply unable to control their anger. Sorry, I can't help but laugh at that because it's so ridiculous. Okay, truth is abusers are able to control their tempers around 
teachers, supervisors, and authority figures, so they choose to use violence with their dating partners. Myth number six, teen dating violence isn't dangerous. It's mostly just arguing and kids goofing around. Nope, the truth is teen dating violence can be very dangerous and sometimes lethal. Nationwide in the US, nearly one in 10 high school students has been hit, slapped, or physically hurt on purpose by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Myth number seven, if the abuser isn't hitting their partner, then it isn't really abuse. Truth, abuse happens in many ways other than physical abuse. Abuse can be verbal, spiritual, and even financial. Put downs, insults, and controlling behavior are just as abusive as hitting. I gathered this information from my local domestic violence shelter. Okay, real quick, here are some stats before we get into the real life examples. One in three adolescents in the U.S. is a victim of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. Now that's overall. I know here in Southern California where I live, there was a study done by a university here, and they determined that two out of every three were in an abusive dating situation. So I believe that one in three is actually low. Next, nearly 1.5 million high school students nationwide experience physical abuse from a boyfriend or girlfriend in a single year. Next, girls and young women between the ages of 16 and 24 experience the highest rate of intimate partner violence, almost triple the national average. I want to just make a note that this happens to any gender, not just girls. Next, violent behavior typically begins between the ages of 12 and 18. Also, the severity of intimate partner violence is often greater in cases where the pattern of abuse was established in adolescence. Next, violent relationships in adolescence can have serious ramifications, putting the victims at higher risk for substance abuse, eating disorders, risky sexual behavior, and further domestic violence. Two more. Only 33% of teens who were in a violent relationship told somebody about the abuse. This is why we're doing awareness, right? We want to bring this topic to light. Lastly, 81% of parents believe teen dating violence is not an issue or admit they don't know if it's an issue. So let's address this in our next few episodes. I'm going to have on a very special guest from whom... I'm going to read now real life examples from teens, teen dating abusive relationships from her book. So Dr. Jill Murray is going to come on. She's been on the Oprah show, Today Show, plenty of different um, spaces, but we're gonna read a portion of one of her 10 books here. Okay, here's an excerpt from Dr. Jill's book called Teens and Relationships, How Technology and Media Culture is Influencing the Way They Date. I'm going to leave the info to all of her books in the show notes, but let's read an excerpt from this one here. We're going to have one from a girl and one from a guy. Okay, nobody understands how I feel. My parents think this is just a crush and I don't really feel the way I feel. I really, really love my boyfriend. We're planning to get married. 
When I graduate at the end of this year, we're going to move in together and go to college and get jobs. I know my parents don't approve. They've already taken away most of my privileges. I know my friends don't like him, but they don't really know him or understand him like I do. Sometimes he can act stupid, but that's just because he's shy and doesn't know how to be with people. I know he's cheated on me before. I'm not dumb. I get it that it's not okay for him to do that, but he was drunk at the time and didn't know what he was doing. He confessed after I confronted him, so he was honest about it. I also know it's not all right for him to call me names, but that's not all the time, only when he's so stressed that he doesn't know what he's saying. He apologizes most of the time, and the other times, when he doesn't, I know he means to. We're really in love. I know I'm giving up a lot to be with him. I just hope that after a while, my parents and friends can see the guy that I see. That's Caitlin, age 17. Okay, next. Bree is a great girl. I mean, really great. I can't believe someone so beautiful is with me. She could be with any guy she wants, and she's with me. I'm so lucky. Does she take advantage of that? My friends think so, but I don't. I mean, she's flirty with other guys, but she gets crazy if another girl even looks at me. She does accuse me of being with other girls, but I think that's just her way of making sure that I know how much she cares about me. My friends say... She checks up on me all the time and wants to know what I'm doing and who I'm with. I try to convince her that I'd never be with anyone but her. I mean, I'd be crazy to want anyone else who's more gorgeous than Brie. Sometimes her jealousy can get a little out of hand. She texts me all the time, even in the middle of the night, to see if I'm talking with anyone else. She comes from a bad home. Her dad isn't nice to her, so I think she looks to me to make her feel better. And honestly, I'm happy to do that after everything she's done for me. My friends are kind of disgusted with me. Most of them have stopped asking me to hang out anymore because Brie always has something planned for us. They say I'm whipped, but I think they're just jealous that I have such a fine girlfriend. Jordan, age 16. So what can we do about this? How can we help these kids? How can we help ourselves help them? You might be in a situation like this if you're a teen, or maybe you're not a teenager, but this sounds awfully familiar. Well, Dr. Jill is going to come on and give us so much help. But in the meantime, there's some really good questions that I've developed and seen other places, just a compilation here, that we can ask ourselves when we're dating, just as a little test to make sure that we're with somebody healthy. Number one, are you the same happy person that you were before you met this person? Perhaps you want to ask somebody you love. A lot of times we're blindsided and I believe that we stop listening to our intuition. So we need to be able to tune into our intuition, right? That's our subconscious giving us hints and clues to keep us safe. So It's important to think about this. Are you the same happy person you were before? Perhaps you can ask somebody that you trust who's known you since you were young, who might be able to honestly tell you. Number two, are you just exhausted trying to make this work? And no matter what you do, it's not working. And you think that it's up to you to make it work. Lastly, think about your body. Are you having like unexplained stomach aches, headaches, Are you losing sleep? Are you crying a lot or just super frustrated all the time? Maybe you're having anxiety, maybe even panic attacks. Those are major, major signs to pay attention to. And by the way, 
I am so passionate about this topic. It's why we've talked about it a couple times because I want to look at it from all angles and make sure that it's understood. Teens want to hear real life examples of situations. They hear the terms, right? So they hear gaslighting, love bombing, and all of the red flags that we're going to touch on next week and some that I've kind of mentioned here and we've seen in these examples. But like, what does this actually look like and what do you actually do? So my job, literally my profession, is to go out and speak and give talks at schools. I want to help prevent our younger kids ending up in a situation like I was, which turned into a marriage and then I was locked in for a while. And if you haven't heard my story, please go back and listen to episodes one and two, where I talk about my story and the detective also talks about our story. Because this is really important. We want to give our kids everything that we can to help them thrive. So we need to address these tough topics with them and give them real life examples. All right, so let's go over the lessons learned today briefly before we close. Lesson number one was that teenage dating violence is a prevalent issue. It's actually an epidemic and very serious for our younger generation. Number two, teenage dating violence happens earlier than we were thinking, so even in the preteens. Number three, it's important to educate our kids earlier than we think, at the age-appropriate level, in bits at a time, and to teach them to notice these red flags early, even with friendships, right? And the two stories that I shared, did you catch there was possessiveness in there? One partner thought of the other as something they owned, and there was obsessive jealousy. Remember we learned one of, that's one of the main red flags, like right off the bat, right? And these kids are making excuses for their dating partners, right? You know, you heard, well, he cheated on me. Well, he was drunk. He didn't really know what he was doing. No, there's no excuse for abuse. Let's teach our kids this. I think all of us needs to be reminded of this at any age. You'll also notice that these kids got isolated. They lost their friends, right? And their parents, they weren't really talking with them. It was an issue. We noticed that the abusers were very controlling and the victims would minimize that type of behavior and just keep giving excuse after excuse after excuse. You can hear in these kids telling their stories that they're making excuses, but you can hear in the underlying tone that they're noticing some things aren't right, but they're just making excuses and they're noticing tension. There's tension in them. So in the next episode, we're going to go over more red flags and things to help with keeping relationships safe, right? And being able to listen to our intuition and not push that away. So stay tuned. In the meantime, if you want to have me come out and talk to your kids, your school, your conference, maybe even the teachers doing a uh, teacher workshop or a talk for the parents, I share my own story and, of course, things we can do to make sure that we're in healthy relationships and how that affects the rest of our life. Remember what I said, that kids want to hear real-life stories, and they want to hear how you're okay and how you got help. So that's what I'm happy to do. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can leave a review and let me know what you found most helpful. You can find me on Instagram at women aware and prepared. And if you want more from me, you can join my Tuesday tip emails at womenawareandprepared.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Remember, you are worthy of a safe and peaceful life.